You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Everybody, it's Dr. Laura Mock, the life coach for busy dentists. I'm here today to introduce my 15th podcast episode. In this episode, it's kind of a dual, sort of like a double dip, because it's an interview that I had with Chuck Blakeman, who has the number three podcast in dentistry called the Get Off the Treadmill podcast. And it's all for dentists who are trying to make a little bit more impact with their effort and not just always be running around like a hamster on its wheel. We just had a really fascinating discussion about emotional intelligence and how that intelligence can really make a difference in your bottom line. So everybody have a fun time listening to this podcast. You'll notice it's me getting interviewed by him. So that's kind of fun and stick with it to the end. It's a great episode. Thanks everybody. Today, I'm talking with Laura Mock. She is a general dentist who has owned her own practice for 12 years. She's also a certified life coach and helps dentists reduce stress and increase their happiness. How weird is that? That's awesome. She teaches practice owners how to improve their leadership skills through understanding their own minds and the minds of their employees and patients. Laura, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored and excited. You bet. And I was just telling you before we started how weird you are, because you actually pay attention to this stuff, this uh, stuff inside our heads and inside the heads of our patients and how important that is. There's just so much data. It's stunning how important this kind of stuff is. And uh, this is not something we're taught in dental school to to play with. No, but it's critical for if you want to feel good, you have to understand how your mind works how the evolution made your mind work, and also how you can actually control it if you want to, to make yourself feel better. Now, again, before we started, when I, when I saw what we were, were going to talk about, I instantly reminded myself of this book, The Power of Purpose by Peter Thames. And in there, he talks about tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one thinking is, how do I think and feel about me? That's the basis of emotional intelligence. Most people don't think and feel about themselves, especially men. You know, I don't know what I think. I don't know what I feel. I don't know. Just do this thing. I just do. I'm not a human being. I'm a human doing. And then the second tier is how do others think and feel about me? And and having the emotional intelligence to say, what kind of impact am I making in the world around me? Well, we don't get that one very well either. But then the third one is the one that I think I'm excited about that you're, you're focusing on. How do others think and feel about themselves? And how do I enter into that? And that's empathy. And I, uh, I, when I read this book like 10 or 15 years ago, I walked around for a, a month kind of with this on my forehead, uh, you know, just how much time do I spend in tier three? And I was embarrassed and ashamed at how little time I spend in tier three. It's just, it's not a natural, normal thing. I'm always in survival mode. So I'm always thinking about me. How do I think about me? And how do others think about me? And boy, to get into other people's heads and just get out on my own and say, what do they think and feel? And how do I enter into that? So I'm really excited about this today. Uh, you're going to bring a whole bunch of stuff to us that I think is possibly the most important thing that will make a dentist money. If we, if we have to go there, we'll go there. But it's certainly going to make them happy. So you teach dentists how to understand their thoughts, create their feelings, uh, how, how, understand, how to understand that their thoughts create their feelings, which create their results. Let's just start there. Give me that progression and, and yes. help us with it. 
Okay, yes, I would love to do that. So what I want to say, what I want to propose, and this is really important for anyone who's ever felt stressed about their business, is that your business is a manifestation of your thoughts. And your thoughts come from an organ that has been tweaked and changed by evolution for a purpose, which is to keep you alive and reproducing. Okay, so we have this electrical meat that lives in between our ears and it has a job to do, which is to keep us alive. And it doesn't really know very well how to make us feel good because that's not its job, right? So if we understand that our thoughts create how we feel, and our feelings move us to action, then we start to understand how we could get our business to be different than it is right now. I want to use an animal example to show you what I mean about our thoughts, creating our feelings, creating our actions. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So we have a rescue dog in our house. Her name is June. She's just the sweetest thing. And she's the quintessential pack animal. She just wants to be loved and to show her love to you. And recently we got a cat and the cat is very lovey and he's real um, demanding. And if June is in another room and you start loving on the cat and say, oh, kitty, kitty, look at June. If June can hear you, I can just picture her. She kind of perks up. And she has a thought, and it's not a verbal thought, but the thought is something like, I think maybe my place in the pack is being threatened, <laughs> okay? And so she might feel something that's jealousy, I'm guessing, because the next thing that happens is that June is in the room with you and her paw is right, I mean, her nose is right underneath your hand, <laughs> okay? So her thought was, my pack is maybe not giving me the love I want, Right. And so she felt jealous and that jealousy moved her to make sure that she was in safe in the pack. Okay. And we're humans and our bodies, including our minds have been um, influenced by the same process and it still is today. So, but we live in a place, in an environment that's completely different than what our biology understands. Mm -hmm. And I call that super normal stimuli. So stimuli that like this sugary beverage that I'm drinking or frosting or um, cell phones, you know, those things, our brains and our bodies really don't understand it. And they don't understand owning a dental practice for sure. Right. So once we understand that and we understand how if we, if we change our thoughts, we get a better result in our lives, then all of a sudden we can actually start having a better business just because we've changed what we're thinking in our minds. So, so let me get this right. What you're saying is the way I act actually just doesn't come out of nowhere. It actually comes from inside my head and my view of the world and how I think. Yes, for sure. It always goes from your head to your feelings to what you do. So we call this a blinding flash of the obvious, mm -hmm. a BFO. It's like a big duh that nobody ever thinks about because we're all out there in the visible world. We, I call it the visible world. And, uh, you know, people, uh, people call it the real world. It's not the real world. It's the visible world that is a reflection of the other part of my world, which is in my head, the world in my head. 
Yes. And it's just as real. The world in my head is just as real. And in fact, it's more real because it, it, it creates my reactions and my actions in the visible world. So uh, this is not something to toy with. This is real live uh, uh, success strategy here. How, how do we, how do we work with this? How do we, how do we get the thoughts in our heads to create the actions that we want outside our heads? Well, first, the very first step is just to be aware of the fact that we have a voice in our head that's talking to us all the time. Yeah. And that that voice is creating the actions outside our head. Yes. And keep in mind that our brains are real sorry that they take up so much energy. You know, (laughs) our brains take up 30% of our energy every day. And so they're always... The brain is trying to be as efficient as it can. And one of the ways that it does that is through through neural pathways, basically habits of thought. If you've ever got in the car and you meant to go somewhere and you ended up at work or the grocery store, then you understand what I mean about that. Or or sometimes you get in the car or or you go out for a run or whatever and you're you're running or you're driving and it's like you wake up. How did we get here? How did I... It's scary. It's like, I don't remember the last seven minutes since I left the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a pathway. And just being aware of the fact that you have pathways and that you have these thoughts is means that you're way ahead of where you were and where most people are. Yeah. And then the next step is to realize that everything that's happening in your head isn't necessarily correct. It's just electrical meat processing it the best way it can. Okay. So, so I, I have thought many times in my head, I'm not going to make payroll this month. I don't, I'm not sure this is going to happen, but looking back on it, that was my brain in a, in a mental habit of worrying about something. Uh. Anytime your brain senses that something's real important by how you feel when you think it, it gives it to you again and again and again. So being aware of the fact that your brain is going to give you stuff that makes you feel worried on purpose as a survival technique releases you from having to believe what's, what it's giving you, if that makes sense. So you can actually change that thought. You can. And that is what's li- what life coaching is about. A life coach helps you understand where your brain is getting in the way and how to make new thought habits, because you can totally do it if you want. Since we are homo sapiens, we actually can use metacognition, meaning we're aware of what we're thinking. We can use that to change what we're thinking, which changes how we feel and then changes our results. So that sounds really easy. Well, no, it sounds really simple. (laughs) It It is simple. And what I found over, over my lifespan is a lot of the simple things aren't very easy. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we do this? You're exactly right. It's so simple to change a thought from, I'm not going to make payroll to, I'm working on my business. It's not perfect, but I'm working on it. And that, of course, changes how you feel. But you have to be more persistent than your own neural pathways. And that's what you mean by, yes, it's simple, but it takes so much effort and it just is a matter of being aware. A lot of times we do what's called a thought download where we just sit there and we write down everything that we've been thinking for the last five minutes and then choose one or two of the thoughts that make us feel differently than we want to feel and then choose new thoughts to replace them. And then it's a matter of practicing or rehearsing those thoughts. 
So you're confirming that I actually intuitively got something right over the last 10 years. Uh, because for the last 10 plus years, I've been I've been trying to figure out how to write a book on this, but I, I teach this to dentists and, and feel free to steal it if you don't already have one. My guess is you have something just like this. There's two questions that, that uh, decide the pathway of every human being's life. Well, two, two statements. One is a question, one is a statement. Statement number one, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're done. <laughs> I can't do that. Question, the second one is a question. How do I do that? Yes. I can't do that versus how do I do that? And you can see two paths diverging and going in completely different directions for people's entire lives because I'm used to saying I can't do that versus, well, how do I do that? So I can't make payroll versus, well, how do I make payroll? (laughs) I love that because if you ask your brain a question, your brain will work on answering it. Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. So how do I succeed today? Or whatever it is that you want to change or do, ask your brain how you do it. And, and get your brain to work for you instead of against you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then a few years ago, uh, what's her name? Carol Dweck came up with the, basically the same idea. There's two mindsets, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is I can't do that. And the growth mindset is how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think we're trained, and again, the survival technique, we're still, to your point, we're still hunting mastodons in our head. Correct. And, and so, so the survival technique in us shuts down very quickly and says, I can't do that because to try to ask the question, how do I do that, gets me out of my comfort zone, takes me out of my security, and, and fights against that survival mechanism. When in fact, it's the thing that will actually cause us to survive is to get out of that dead end, get out of that place where you know, my cheese is no longer being uh, uh, put and, and, and move and, and adapt. And we just don't, we don't do that well. Well, I like to call that staying in the cave, right? So your brain would prefer <laughs> that you stay in the cave. Yeah. So if you've got a dental practice where you're a hamster and you're just running and making tooth dust and you're tired at the end of every night and your back hurts and your neck hurts, but it's what you know, then for your brain's purposes, like the evolutionarily carved out piece of meat between your ears, your brain would prefer that you stay right there. So this is so cool because that pops one of the other questions I have for my, for my dentist when, when, they, when they give me this response. Basically, just exactly what you said. Yeah, I don't like what's going on here, but I don't know what else to do. And reality is I don't want to know what else to do. And, and so I say, so what you're saying is the pain you know is better than the pain you have yet to experience. And it's like, yeah, I've taken two mental aspirin, mental, two mental and emotional aspirin every morning. I've learned how to cope with this pain. I don't like it, but I've learned how to cope with it. And Mm -hmm. if I change, the next pain might be worse. So I'll just hang in there with what I'm, what I'm experiencing. Yes. Yeah. And, And we just, and we're in survival mode. Yeah. But if you look at your practice in your life and you're like, I know that I want something different. Yeah. And I'm willing to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. To get where I want to go and understand that the discomfort is actually the price I'm going to pay to go somewhere better. Yeah. Then you have the power to change what you have. In fact, I would propose that the way your practice is right now is exactly how you made it, which is very uncomfortable if it's not how you want it to be. (laughs) 
but you're the one who did it. And the reason that's important is because if you made it the way it is, it means you're also the one who can change it. And it starts with what's in your head. Michael Gerber wrote the book, uh, The E-Myth, back in the 80s. And at the back end of the e-myth, he says, you know, we, we go out, we uh, are tired of working for the man, so we have an entrepreneurial spasm, and we go out and work on our own. And as we do that, we vow we will never have the chaos that that man or that woman had in their business. And we don't. We have a whole new brand of chaos. Because the reality of it is the chaos is not in our business, it's in our heads. And we just reproduce out into our business the chaos that's in our heads. So if you want to know what your head looks like, take a look at your business. (laughs) Exactly. And if you don't like what you see there, then you have to backtrack into your head and say, how do I change what's in my head in order to get a different result in my business? And to your point, that's uncomfortable. Because we have to admit that the reason our practice is the way it is, is because it somehow serves us. Even if, even if I'm uncomfortable with it, I'm still, it gives me a sense of security. I don't like it, but it's certain. And so the human need for certainty kicks in and I'll, I'll stay with that. I have a psychobabble friend who wrote a New York Times best friend, bestseller. And she said, the worst of human conditions is uncertainty. Well, it's also the best of human conditions. Mm-hmm. It's if you're willing gonna, to embrace it, you're yeah. going to go a lot farther if yeah. you can just be... But I think what you're saying is really important. One thing you haven't... One, one thing you've said uh, all around the edges that I think I want our, our listeners to hear really solidly is, I'm not going to move from the pain I know until I have a picture of what could be better the next place. I, I, need a pl- I need a picture of where I want to go. So it's that, that forward movement. I don't want to run away. People running away from things generally get sucked back into them. How do I run towards something? And so, they, so I think that's what you're saying is you have to have a real clear picture. Of, well, what would it be like if you went here? Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. So when, when we're doing a life coaching session, a person might come to me and say, well, this is the story of what happened. And this is how I felt. This is what I did. And um, the result of it was, you know, that everybody went home angry or something like that. And so what we would do then is we would go, how would you have liked for this Uh, to end up? And we work backwards because uh we go, okay, if your result would have been that you left when everybody understood each other, or you knew that you had been a good leader, then how would you have needed to act in order to get that result? And this one is really key because remember our feelings guide our actions. So how would you need to feel in order to feel driven to do that action? Mm -hmm. And then people get a chance to look inside themselves and say, I would need to feel you know, maybe it's empowered or maybe it's excited about the future or maybe it's empathy, like what you were talking about. And then we go, okay, well, what would you need to think in order to feel that emotion? And that's where the life coaching really helps somebody direct what's happening in their own minds. Wow. That's powerful stuff. And I think it's very practical. Uh, It helps us understand a lot about how we build a successful practice. Some of the data that I've uncovered, I actually did this for my book that's coming out in a couple of months, Rehumanizing the Workplace. And we talk about emotional intelligence, empathy and emotional intelligence in that book for just one of the chapters because 
the data is so overwhelming about success related to emotional intelligence and empathy and actually getting getting to where we we have a, a the ability to manage all that stuff going on in our heads. Uh, one of the facts that came out was, I think it's 90% of the time, average emotional intelligence and empathy will beat high IQ. People with really high IQ will lose to people with average emotional intelligence and empathy mm-hmm. on a regular basis, 90% of the time. Well, especially if you're talking about the results of leadership. Yeah. Because emotional intelligence for a leader, <coughs> not only you understand what's happening in your own emotions, but you understand the emotions of those that you lead. Yep. And since our emotions guide our actions, it's one of the most important things you can do to lead your practice. Because obviously you don't want employees walking around feeling unappreciated, mismanaged, ignored. Mm -hmm. Um, I had this one dental school instructor who was dismissive of my, um, my work. And I would have, how do I say this? I didn't want to perform well for him because he was dismissive of what I was trying to do. Whereas my manager, when I was 15 and working at Wendy's and he'd go around giving people (laughs) high fives and, and we, you know, let's clean this up, you know, and I'd be like, wow, this is so fun. And I wanted to make him happy. Yeah. So if you want your employees to perform in the way that you want, then thinking about how they feel is critical. Yeah. And I, I tell people this all the time now, uh, that the number one thing you should, you should uh, uh, hire for when you're hiring a leader is emotional intelligence and empathy. You should look at that without even looking at their resume because the resume will skew you. Just find five or six or eight people or three or four people with high emotional intelligence and empathy and then look at their resumes. But don't do it before that because the number one thing you should hire for is that. And I know a lot of dentists, you know, they are the leader in their, their practice and they weren't taught these kinds of things. And it's not, you know, it's not the path that we take to get into dentistry, but it's something that uh, I regularly hear from dentists, boy, the dentist down the street is not that good of a dentist and he's got a line out his door or a line out her door. And I don't understand because I know I'm a better dentist, but that person has higher emotional intelligence and higher empathy. And that's one of the reasons they have a line out their door. How do you find employees with high emotional intelligence? Yeah, it's a great, well, there's a few tests out there that we can, we can look at that get you started. You know, there aren't uh, real great tests out there, but then we actually put, uh, ad, we put uh, questions in our ads that indicate high emotional intelligence, high empathy. Like one of the questions we want to ask people is, tell us a time where you made other people successful and you didn't get the credit. Or tell some, some, a, a time where, pe- where, you, where people gave you uh, 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 feedback, critical feedback, and you adopted it really well. Those are, you know, those are things, you know, things questions like that. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us a way, uh, a, a time at work where, you've, where you went outside your responsibilities to help somebody because you could see they were struggling. Well, like let, me, let me ask you a follow-up question because I'm sure. super curious about this. So that question about, let tell me about a time when you got feedback that was critical. Yeah. How does somebody who doesn't have emotional intelligence answer that question? <laughs> they, they beat around the bush, they him and haw, they, they basically obfuscate and, and uh, they, in some cases, they just don't answer the question. They don't know how to answer it. So they, they put things up there that make no sense. Um, okay. 
Yeah. And, but, but if they don't have the emotional intelligence, they'll put things up there that don't work. They just, well, you know, somebody told me once that uh, my hair was, you know, not the way it should be. And, you know, and, and so I, you know, I looked at that and thought maybe they, you know, they come up with things that really had no impact in their future. And so, yeah, it, it's very revealing. It's very revealing stuff. So we, we put those in there and we actually tell people in our hiring process, don't send us your resume. Just answer these seven questions. Mm. So we start there. <laughs> we want to see the culture and their own emotional intelligence first. And if we see that they're a culture match and emotional intelligence match, then we'll say, great, you know, the 10 of you, please send us your resumes. And it's, it's never failed us. We get great people as a result. Because the, the skills and the, the, the point we, we try and make in that, uh, and I think what you're sharing is that the skills and the, the experience are things that we can teach people. But you can't teach them very nearly can't teach them culture and, and emotional intelligence and, and, you know, the things that they're not necessarily born with, but developed over decades. I don't have the time and energy to teach you how to be emotionally intelligent. Uh, that's not what we do here. So those are the things we look for is the things that are the hardest to teach. Let's get those first. And then we'll, you know, if you don't have quite as much skill at the front desk, well, we'll, we'll you know, we can teach you that. Yeah. As long as you have the emotional intelligence and the empathy with our patients, we can teach you the skills. So that's, uh, this is really fascinating stuff. Give us a, uh, maybe one or two other practical tips on this before we close out. What, what's something, what's uh, something else that a, a dentist can do to help themselves become more emotionally intelligent? Uh, if you get home at the end of the day and you find yourself ruminating over some, oh, over something that your employee did, Understand that the reason that you feel the way you feel is not from the employee's actions, but from your thoughts about those actions. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying whether the employee should have done that thing or not. Right. That's separate. I'm just saying, remember that your feelings come from your thoughts, not from outside stuff. So if you want to stop feeling upset that your hygienist or your dental assistant did X, Y, or Z, then understand that that is within your power to do right now if you want and if you're willing to change what you're thinking. It's amazing. Well, that's, we could go on and on here, but I think it would be more sensible to just give people your contact information and have them come running to you and say, help, help me get a line out my door. How do, I, <laughs> how do I develop this stuff? So how do you, uh, you know, give us some contact information. So the very um, best way to find me is on my website, which is just the lifecoachforbusydentist.com. Okay. The and I have coach, a podcast. So it's the lifecoachforbusydentists.com. Yes, correct. Okay. And I have a podcast. So you can just listen to me while you're driving. Um, it's called Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, this has really been uh, instructive, and I think we've just scratched the tip of the iceberg here. This is the, some of the most important stuff. You want, if you want to make more money, you want to be more energized, you want to have people stick around longer, all the productivity, engagement, uh, growth, revenue stuff is tied to these things that we used to call the, the soft skills. We now, we've changed that. We've called them the human skills. That's perfect. Because they're not soft. You know, they're more, much more important. There's production skills and there's human skills. There's not hard and soft. There's production skills, which can be taught. And there's the human skills, which can be learned over time. 
So this is important. This is real important stuff. This is hardcore success strategy. Thanks for being a part of this today and, and giving us a, just a, a start on that. And I trust that our dentists who are listening to this will run to your, uh, your website and, and get a hold of you and, and connect and figure out how to get a line out their doors. Thanks, uh, Laura. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on your show. You bet. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no-obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.